Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Fenton, and this is Your Health Matters. This week on the podcast, I wanted to share about herniated discs. This is a really common diagnosis that I see from patients um, and even friends and students at Bright Heart. Uh, There's a lot of misconceptions about a herniated disc, and uh, still we are researching this to understand it better, and I think it's something that continues to change over time. And so it's just kind of important to stay up to date about what the most recent literature kind of says about a herniated disc and how, um, as a physical therapist, I apply that to my practice and apply it to the patient that I might see in front of me with a disc herniation. So let's start with a little bit anatomy of the spine, right? So we have the low back, which is considered your lumbar, the mid back, which is your thoracic spine, and then your neck, which is which is called your cervical spine. And so we between each vertebrae in our spine, we have a disc. And so this disc is comprised of a fibrous tissue on the outside that's pretty sturdy, and then on the inside, something that's a little resembles kind of like jelly almost. And so when a disc is herniated, essentially there is a tear in the fiber and the jelly of the disc starts to come out and into the spine. So this causes a couple of issues, right? So when a disc herniation happens, there can be inflammation, which tends to cause pain because the brain is noticing that area more because it's different and so it can create a pain signal. It can press on one of the nerve roots. So your spine, right, you have the spinal cord, which is in between the, uh, that goes down the spinal canal of the spine, right? And so when the disc protrudes, it tends to press onto, it can, not tends to, it can press on uh, one of the nerve roots there, which again can cause the brain to be more alert and then you can get pain signals or you can get um, numbness and tingling down your leg, right? So these are some things that can happen when a disc herniation happens. Um, So the thing to know though is that you could have a disc herniation and not experience any of these symptoms either. So that's kind of the curious thing about disc herniation. We don't fully understand why some people experience pain and some people don't. And so that's why it's pretty heavily researched area to determine what's actually going on, uh, specifically because a lot of people have pain with it, right? Uh, The other interesting thing that they've kind of seen um, with like MRIs and x-rays is that Again, you can see a disc herniation there. And again, some people don't really have pain even though they see the disc herniation. The other thing that's interesting about MRIs is depending on the time of day that you have the MRI and depending on the position that um, they put you in to have an MRI can show more of a disc herniation or it may not show a disc herniation at all It may show your disc is protruding or it may not show that the disc is protruding at all. Um, And so that's why it's kind of hard to tell what's actually going on when we use imaging and we try to uh, treat the symptoms that are in front of us rather than based on what is going on in the imaging. 
So the big thing about that is that a lot of people will have back surgery based on imaging and then they have no changes in their pain symptoms. So that's not really great. And it's why they're starting to push more in the research now to go a conservative method, uh, whether that be um, physical therapy, medication, injections, um, instead of having that surgery because the outcomes are not necessarily, you know, 100% the pain's going to go away after you have um, after you have the surgery on the disc. The other interesting thing that they showed with some of this research in disc herniations is two things. One, sometimes the disc, uh, the jelly part of the disc is reabsorbed and the herniation is completely gone. Now that's not all the time. That's sometimes that can occur. The other thing that can occur is the disc just doesn't change at all. So it doesn't get better or it doesn't get worse. And what's really interesting about that is if there's no change in the disc herniation, however, there's no pain, does that mean that the disc herniation was the thing that was actually causing the pain? So all this to say that that disc herniation may not be as scary as we once thought it was, and also the spine is way stronger than a lot of people think it is. So I thought it was interesting as I was doing some of my research for for this podcast today um, that Wikipedia (laughs) said um, that disc herniation causes in older people due to um, the disc degenerating over time. And what disc degeneration means is that the height of the... um, disc is getting shorter and shorter over time, like I talked about. So, you know, we get shorter over time because that disc height is less, right? But when you look at the research, the average age for disc herniation um, is between 20 and 50, and it tends to be more in men than in women. Um, And so what's kind of interesting about that is I wouldn't really consider that older and we don't really start seeing the disc degeneration, like the height changes really occurring until much later in life when you start to see um, people actually shrinking in height. So that's why it's really important that we just don't go reading on the internet (laughs) what might be going on with a disc herniation because we don't actually know where that information is coming from, right? So ways to treat a disc herniation if you don't want to go the surgery route. And let me share that I do think surgery is sometimes necessary for a disc herniation, particularly if someone is starting to get so much weakness in their legs and numbness and tingling in their legs that they're not able to function anymore and they've tried to do conservative treatment. Um, Those people tend to have the best outcomes then when they do surgery. You don't want to just do surgery because the pain is really intense in your low back and you're just having, you know, trouble um, initially feeling better. So so surgery can be helpful. However, most people can do really great with conservative treatments. So again, conservative treatments can be taking medication, it can be an injection, and I'll kind of speak to my area in physical therapy and how we treat it in PT. 
So first off, I would do something like this, educating people in dis- on discs and what they are and try to alleviate some of the fear that they might have around movement, right? So when we're fearful about movement, um, that particularly specific movements, when we're fearful about it, we're likely to experience more pain. So a lot of physical therapy is just educating people about um about movement and how to not be so fearful about movement. And it's very real though. So let's say a lot of times people with disc herniation have issues with um, like backbending or extending or folding forward if they were to go pick something up off the ground. And so those movements can be really scary and we talk about them, right? And I don't throw people right into those movements at the beginning. So the next thing that we do in physical therapy outside of educating about a disc herniation and how they can feel better, um, we do uh, manual therapy. So that might include soft tissue work. It might include a, include a spinal manipulation. And um, it just depends on the person that's in front of you, right? So um, for me personally, and most physical therapists I know don't prescribe to this is the way to heal somebody from a disc herniation. It's going to depend on the person in front of you and the weaknesses that they have or the tightnesses that they have that need to be addressed to help them with the pain that they might be experiencing. So yeah, so we do hands-on treatment to help um, calm the nervous system down. Right. And when the nervous system calms down, pain tends to decrease. Now, passive treatment is definitely not the only thing to do. Right. So hands on treatment can be an important part of therapy and exercise is incredibly important as well to follow up afterwards. So when I give exercises to patients, particularly when they're in a lot of pain, We go really slow. We do gentle range of motion activities until they can tolerate those activities. And then we slowly increase, just like if you were, you know, doing, getting back to exercise in general, we slowly increase um, the load to the spine so that they can handle those activities and return to the activities that they love doing. So the moral of the story is movement is medicine, (laughs) right? So the more that you're moving your body, the more your brain kind of adjusts and you're less fearful of movements that might have been causing you pain before and you're able to get back to those movements pain-free, right? So while disc herniation can sound like a really scary thing, Um, There is a variety of symptoms and it doesn't mean that you're never going to be able to move again. It doesn't mean that you won't be able to move in certain ways like you moved before. It just means that we have to slowly get you back to where you were before uh, by slowly increasing the load to your body. The final thing I'll say here about disc herniations is I find that a lot of people talk to each other about their own experience with disc herniation and it causes even more fear. Um, So if you're somebody that's had a disc herniation and you have a friend that just recently received a diagnosis about a disc herniation, maybe share with them the things that you can do now and that you are moving now 
And don't scare the crap out of them that the pain was so bad that they didn't move for a really long time, right? This just heightens somebody's fear and doesn't necessarily make the healing process any faster or any better, right? So talking about your positive outcomes can really help people to see that, you know, disc herniation, while it is something that is happening in their body, it doesn't mean that they will not be able to return to the activities that they could do before. So I hope that today's episode helped you be a little less fearful about the term disc herniation. Uh, Many people experience it throughout their lifetime and there's a variety of pain responses. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you won't be able to do the things that you were able to do before and you don't necessarily need surgery for it. Exercise is a great way to um, reduce your symptoms and get you back to the life that you want. Thank you for tuning in to Your Health Matters. You can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Jackie Fenton for all things movement, pain, and healthcare. Subscribe to this podcast so you can get the newest episode every Thursday. And I look forward to talking to you next week.